Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff, and thank you so much for joining me for episode 551. It has been uh, several months since I recorded a podcast interview. I've been busy speaking and coaching, and uh, and I'm just really excited to get back at the podcast interviews just to provide these again for you to serve you. And today's episode is a perfect one to get back at it. Um, and it's with Cassidy Preston. And I know you're going to love this interview, so stick around and listen to the whole thing. So Dr. Cassidy Preston is a mental performance coach that works with elite athletes, teams, and high-performing executives. He's also the founder of CEP Mindset, which is dedicated to shifting the culture of sports from results first to mindset first. Love that. Cassidy specializes in creating relatable and practical strategies by combining his personal experience as a former OHL and pro hockey player with the current research in sport and performance psychology. He continues to expand his CEP team of mental performance coaches to help as many athletes and high performers as possible, optimize their performance and well-being. And this episode, Cassidy and I talk about several really crucial things related to high performance and the high performance mindset that I know you're going to really um, have lots of takeaways from. Number one, we talk about seven mental skills that are necessary for success, why we need internal validation and not external validation, his be, do, have model, how to reduce your yo-yo confidence, and why doubt is a healthy thing. Interesting, huh? All right. If you'd like to find the full show notes and description, you can head over to cindracampoff.com slash 551 for episode 551, where we have a full transcript of the interview. If you want to check that out over there, again, cindracampoff.com slash 551. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast interview, please leave us a rating and review. Uh, if you're on your iPhone, for example, you just scroll up and you can leave us a rating and review there. And this, this just helps us reach more and more people each and every week. All right. Well, I'm excited to provide these podcast interviews again for you and um, excited to get back at it. So without further ado, here is Cassidy. Welcome. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. Cassidy Preston, I'm so excited that you're here today with us. How is your day going? It's going well. Thanks for having me, Sandra. I'm really excited. Um, I wanted to have you on the podcast for a while, so I'm looking forward to diving into your business and then also um, your new book coming out, uh, Mindset First. So maybe just to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and what you're most passionate about? Yeah, the, while the I love mental training, mindset, mental performance. Uh, I got into it uh, through my own kind of challenges and struggles as an athlete and learning the long and hard road, which I'm sure we'll get into at different points. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll go to school and figure this out. There's got to be a better way for people to personalize, have a, a healthy, effective mindset so they can perform better, more consistently, reliably. And, you know, then learn some lots of great, the literature, the research, some people outside of the literature research and, and mentors like Todd Herman and John G. Martini, and then kind of crafting this personalized practical system and strategies that can help athletes and do it effectively. And I, like, I love coaching somebody one-on-one, -on -one, connecting, seeing them shift and grow. And then that went pretty well early on. I was like, okay, well, let's get a team of coaches and like, let's just create that. So then I also know I get to, you know, coach professionals and junior players and, and that, but now I also get to run a business side, which is kind of fun. I've always had a business oriented mindset and, and creating a team and, and a lot of people in mental performance, it's like, they want to do it, but that's how do you get people to sign up and, and actually have the business side? So we've tapped people into that. So that's been a lot of, a lot of fun. And then that creates this whole you know, little inner circle or inner team of like mental performance coaches who are bouncing ideas. We're all learning from each other uh, and create a system around that. So I get to coach athletes one-on-one -on -one and business professionals and high performers as well, but also get to, uh, to create a business model and, uh, and work with other great high performers that are also having an impact uh, on the culture, on people's lives. So that's a, I think a fairly short <laughs> summary of who I am, what I'm doing outside of also being a father, too young, great daughters, Addie and Remy, uh, and a husband. So that's, uh, you know, I try and enjoy that, try and go some casual golfing here and there. <laughs> Golf game's not great, but it's fun. So, um, yeah, that's the, the short of it. 
Perfect, Cassidy. Well, you know, one of the things I really appreciated about your website was I read about your story. And it's so interesting when you hear about people's struggles, right? You instantly connect with them because I struggled as an athlete too. That's how I got interested in performance psychology. I was a high level high school athlete, broke some state records that still actually uh, stand today, you know, 20 years later, and then got to college and really struggled. And I, what I most appreciate about your story was your draft in the OHL, yeah. right? And then um, your first your first, you know, couple games didn't go the way you expected. Tell us about, you know, that and then what I'm sure that was kind of the catalyst for you to pursue this degree in sports psychology and your PhD in the area. Yeah, for sure. Like I, um, I actually work with a sports psychologist when I was like 16, just like mm -hmm. I broke my jaw and I was coming back from that and, and she was really helpful. And that was one of like the first times I really started to be like, Oh, the mental game is kind of cool. This is important. I want to prioritize this. Focus on yeah. my mind, not just the results and, and the training and the technical and tactical, but like how am I showing up? Who am I being in my mental state? How I think and feel. And, and it definitely helped. Some of the main kind of struggles though was like, well, my first year in the OHL uh, was going into that and I made the team. And I was even on the starting lineup at the first game. And I was like, and my goal, wow. I was like, I'm getting drafted to the NHL. Like, here we yeah. go. Like, I'm so <laughs> results oriented. Like so many athletes is just consumed <laughs> sure. by results and results was the main priority. You get to the game. It's like all about results now. Okay, I'm not training. What mindset do I want to be in? I want to have a good training and, and do things well, process and mindset, get to the game, results consumed, the weight, the burden of the, the expectations and not knowing how to handle that. So that first year in the OHL, I had zero points. Like I actually just, it just started off like, and then by game 15, my coach is like, it's going to be hard to play you. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> it's like, and I kind of like get it like, yeah, I haven't produced yet. Sure. And, but then, so then I just barely played the rest of the year. So I played like, which is one of like the hardest mental challenges of an athlete when you're let alone injured, when you're healthy and not getting played. It's like, yeah. I would, I once got dressed, we drove four hours on a bus trip and I'm in the lineup and I didn't even get a shift. And it's like, so that challenge and then to have that low of a performance as a forward in hockey, it's like zero points in a year. So that's like a, an all time low. Like I considered quitting. Like I was like, thought I was going to be contrasted in NHL and I almost quit by the end of the year. And yeah. um, so being able to bounce back from that, but that also gives me all kinds of strength. And I tell this a lot to athletes when it's like, you're going through something tough and you're in a really challenging situation and you might not break through. It's like, kind of like you're, you feel like there's this glass ceiling. You're trying to get through and overcome it. Well, every time you're hitting that, that's making you mentally stronger. And so now like everything in my life after that, not everything became super easy, but it was like, compared to that, <laughs> like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like that I could persevere and deal with that challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was obviously a big mm -hmm. part of it, but it's not like I figured it out after that season. <laughs> so it was because I kept getting sucked into the allure of results. And I'll, I'm sure you'll hear me say that mm -hmm. a bunch today, which is why um, the book mindset first is very about the best athletes in the world prioritize their mindset over the results. They can mm -hmm. show up on game day and they're, who am I going to be today versus consume with what do I want to achieve today? And that's a very different way of approaching it. And what's your, it doesn't mean this isn't a priority. It's just not the top one. <laughs> the top one is mindset. And that's, uh, that was a lesson that took me a while, <laughs> while to learn. And there's some other challenges and stories I, I can share around that. And even my last year of junior and some, some crazy things where I would like 74 points in 49 games, but 20 of them, I had no points. So it was like, cause in the first period I didn't get a point. So then I'd get derailed and downward spiral. So I learned and, and figured out a long way. It, was, it wasn't until probably 10 years of like junior and pro hockey and Canadian university hockey at the end of my career. I was like, Oh, I had like reset routine. I had some strategies that worked and pretty reliable. I was putting mindset first pretty consistently without even fully knowing it at that point. And that's what I was like, okay, this was a long time. <laughs> so like, can I help somebody else do it a little bit quicker than 10 years? Yes. That's yeah. where uh, the, the schooling. And then I was like, okay, well, let me go to school a bit more, keep reading, you know, get other coaches and mentors and innovate, personalize big progressive strategies to, to have an impact quickly and effectively for the long term. So yeah, well, the, definitely yeah. some struggles. 
There's so many things that I could say in response to that. I think, um, you know, we did a study last year where we asked pro athletes how they developed their grit. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that completely surprised me was actually two thirds of them said that it came from a difficult moment, Mm -hmm. right? Like kind of like what you're saying, this moment in the OHL where you went from (laughs) starting, you know, on the starting lineup to not even playing, um, And it's that moment that develops your persistence, maybe even as a business owner today, right? And it's developed your passion for what you do. And I think it's so easy in the moment to generalize. And what I mean by that is I did this as an athlete as well. Like, oh, I I had a really bad race. I must be in a slump. Like what's wrong with me? Instead of just like, hey, it's one race reset. You know, I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. And I thought that the more I beat myself up, the better I would do. And, you know, obviously that's the opposite. And it was just my junior year was sort of similar in college to your experience in the OHL or just, you know, number one runner. And then by the end, just, um, dropping out of some races. Cause I just couldn't figure out my mind had nothing to do with my physical ability. Yeah, no, it's huge. I like that. Um, you know, the grit coming from that, that difficult moment, because you can pull yeah. back from that. And yeah. I like to use the analogy often, because when an athlete's in it, it's hard to give them the perspective, like it's not inherently like, Oh, let me just see the, the what's the benefit to this so challenging situation. Yeah. But I like to use like kind of a, an exaggerated, you know, polarity of like person A and person B person A just has a super easy career. And everything's easy all the way. And they just succeed, succeed, succeed. And then eventually one day they're going to be faced with adversity. And if they haven't faced much adversity, how will they respond versus person B that's like has more bumps along the way and they learn and there's adversity earlier on in their career and they deal with it. Um, Then eventually, and they get to the same level person who's going to be better at that, that highest level in dealing with it. Now it's not to say one is better than the other because you can still learn to be resilient and gritty. And there's always adversities in the way. And you can kind of make sure you're giving yourself challenging situations as you're rising the ranks, but we see it all the time. Like that was me at 17 or you at your first year at university. I've got pro mm-hmm. athletes where it's the first time they really hit significant adversity. They're just so talented and that they get up there and then it's like, Oh, how do I deal with failure and adversity now? Never faced that significant or that level before. So um, it's being able to draw back on your previous ones makes everything else, um, easier. And I think those are the, some of the best mental learning opportunities out there. Like one of the goalies we had this year, um, um, he was like the OHL goal of the year. And he, we talked about, he had like an eight goal against game. And it's like, it's like, this might be the best thing that happened to you this season. And it's like, not all the accolades and successes and the shutouts he got, but it's like, he really learned to stand with the goals again, it's like, Hey, I'm still standing here and let go of the fear of the goals against and the, and the, and just own his own capabilities, internal validation versus external. And I think, um, and he was on fire after that too. So it was like how we framed that was really good example of, um, using adversity as like, Hey, in that moment, if you can really learn to get perspective and not have an emotional charge, I like to call it like this fantasy nightmare. It's like, uh, in sports, we love to have all these fantasies of like, Oh, just be the perfect athlete. Everything's going to be sunshine. It's like, there's no fantasies in sport. You'd be a professional athlete. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's hard work. There's pressure, there's expectations in the media and like the, the, your life away from the sport. And, you know, when you face adversity, it's not all a nightmare. And so being able to um, see that. So I like that, that study, that grits, like, Hey, those are actually, that's where they became gritty. And uh, yeah, Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I'm thinking about just as we're talking, the importance of like bouncing back, but also I've heard you say like how you were really results oriented, you Mm -hmm. know, and you, you now realize, okay, maybe that was one of the reasons that you weren't as successful in the OHL, right? Um, An internal validation versus external. Maybe tell us a bit about the difference in your opinion between external and internal validation. Oh, yeah, it's a huge one because Especially when you think of like the word confidence, which is a whole, <laughs> we'll talk, we can, can blow that up and, and dive into different ways. But when we think of our society as a whole, let alone athletes, so many people become dependent on mm-hmm. external validation for mm-hmm. their self-image, for their self-worth, their self-confidence, their, um, and was like, and it's nice. External validation is nice. It's the results. It's a form of feedback yeah. and it's a tool. And it is our goal and intent to achieve things. And we want to be liked by other people and those kind of things. But it's a very 
um, dangerous place to be when you're just very dependent on the external validation because there's going to be variations and what if the day you don't get it um and for whatever the reasons whether it's a mental mistake or just literally adversity or weather or challenges or somebody just had a super great <laughs> performance and they're you know things really went their way like that's we want to avoid that there's nothing wrong with external validation but if you lose sight of your own opinion matters most, your internal yeah. validation right. and your being able to look at yourself in the mirror, like who am I and what am I capable of based on the work that I've put in and, um, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and so forth. Like that is a fundamental piece to being a high performer in anything in life, let alone in sport. Whereas especially in sport where there's going to be variance and variability in results. And if you attach confidence or your, mm -hmm self-worth and self-image to external things, you're you're playing a game that's you're now not going to be as consistent. Your self-confidence mm -hmm. won't be because we call it yo-yo confidence. It's going up and down with your results. And it's like that's that doesn't dictate your capability. There's yeah. going to be variance. So it's like, yes, I'm aware there's variance in my results, but I own and I have a strong sense of internal validation. One of the tricks and the problems though mm -hmm. is as you rise the ranks and you start getting a bunch of external validation, you start to be like, oh, yeah, this is great. And you become dependent on it. It's like, no, no, no. Don't get caught up in the allure of the results and the, the fancy external stuff. Stay connected to the that principle and of in, like you dictate your and and don't be get sucked into the dependence of external validation. So um, yeah. you can um, stay fairly independent of it while still wanting it and having as well. Just like, you know, wanting goals and things you can detach from them. And be immersed in your process and yeah the you know i'm sure we'll get a bit more into the allure results a bit more in the mindset first kind of paradox because that's a, a a big one yeah absolutely well so you have your book coming out mindset yep. first a new way to mentally prepare um and it's it's specific to hockey but we also know you know like lots of our books they're they're <laughs> just they're not it's not hockey specific like we can all learn something from this book so Tell us a bit about that mindset first idea and what specifically you see, you know, top athletes, top leaders, high performers do differently related to mindset or the mental game. Yeah, I think the the premise, like to me, this is the foundational piece. If you get this right and you're and you put mindset first and you really prioritize it for the sake of itself, everything else is going to flow from there. You're going to be much more centered, you know, internal validation you know, resilient, deal with adversity, you'll be able to deal with everything better and therefore get in the zone and perform more consistently, actually get better results. I call it even the realm of the super elite. They've committed to prioritizing their process, their mindset, the things in their control. Who do they want to yeah. be their identity mm -hmm. first and foremost in each moment or, or most moments? And one of the big problems and the mistake is some people are like, yeah, I want to focus on my mindset so that I can get results. Well, as okay. soon as you make that your main reason to focus on mindset, you still yeah. prioritize results. <laughs> like, And if you prioritize results, you will get sucked into the weight of results, the expectations, the burden we were talking about earlier. It's like, I need to, I have to, I should. You have the variability of results and the yo-yo external validation problems and confidence problems that come from that. You have the... Um, the emotional roller coaster of getting elated and deflated and the emotions. And like, I used to slam my stick and get frustrated and outbursts and like an anger or, or just get down and deflate and dejected and the emotional roller coaster there. And the third big, uh, the fourth big one is also just the stress and the frustration. And you lose sight of the love of the game because your priority is results. So mm -hmm. And when you really get consumed with results, and especially when adversity is like, you get this downward spiral. And it gets more frustrating, more stress, and then you want it, need it more. And it gets like, I call it the results trap. And and so many athletes, as you climb the ranks, we become so obsessed about results because it does matter. And our society perpetuates that. But that can't be the reason why you're focused on your mindset. You think, well, why do we play sports in the first place? Why you want to prioritize your mindset is for the sake of itself. It's like, who do you want to be while you play? And it makes it more enjoyable and and it's your life, it's your career, it's your journey. Who are you being during that experience matters more than just the destination. And so the destination matters and there can be fun in the destination and winning the championship or the trophy or the results and the achievements. But it's not the why, 
and the core reason to like, what is my priority today? And how do I want to show up? And who do I want to be today? Think, feel, operate. And if I can come from that place, everything else is again going to flow. But I'm not doing it because well, I, I want to focus on being this. I want to be present and do this so that I get results. There's, there's going to be the lingering results. You'll still be probably better off if you're trying to do it. And, and again, one of the things that's so common, how many coaches, how many parents, how many people are saying, focus on the process so that you can get results. Focus sure. on what you can control so that you'll right. get results. That's anchoring a results first mindset still. And so we have to be very mindful of that because it's true. Mm. You focus on what you can't control, you will get results. You focus on the process, it will help you get results. So, but it shouldn't be the only reason. And really learning, I get athletes to reflect what was your priority today? I like the little color code, like blue, green, red, blues mindset. Was I okay. mindset blue oriented in, in key moments? What percentage versus skill green, the process, like actual tangible physical stuff on actions, and then read the results. And guaranteed, anytime someone's having trouble with their mental game, they have a results first. Red's a, too big of a priority that day. It's the foundational thing. We can give them all the reset routines, understanding, acceptance, centeredness, mm -hmm. um, the concepts and the strategies mm -hmm. and uh, alter ego, personal scorecard, imagery. We can do all this stuff. And that great, creates a great mental game. But if it's built on the foundation of results first, it ain't going to be as stable and it's not going to be as consistent. So the best athletes, the best high performers, they figured out to commit to that day in and day out. And they've, you know, when the success comes or when the adversity comes, they don't, you know, let that throw them off the mindset first oriented approach. So that was a bit long winded. The, yeah. uh, the book's still in editing phase, so there's not a set publishing date, but uh, I'm happy to be able to dive in and share because, you know, that's what you know, all the work I've done and all like myself, the education, all the athletes and the innovating like this it boils down to that. It becomes, <clears throat> if we want to make sure they're doing one thing, well, it's that, what is your priority today? Is it, are you focusing on who you're being mindset or you're focused on prioritizing? What are you doing? Which matters and be and do are pretty close. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do I want to actions and do? But more importantly, if it's then often, it's, well, I'm focused on what I do because I want to achieve this. I want to have this. I want to get these results and, or, you know, have this end outcome and result. So that's, um, yeah, that's the foundation and yeah, the premise. Love it. Book. And then it goes into, well, then how do we bring this to life? What does it look like through the concepts? And, and I'm a big proponent of uh, challenging people to think differently. I think um, mindset's so not tangible in a lot of ways. So, you know, we use our assessment and things in our actual programs and but breaking it down like well what is acceptance most people misunderstand that like wh what does it mean to actually commit and the acceptance commitment one two punch what does it mean to be centered and enjoy the journey or you know having simple and creative strategies like the alter ego or um, a routine that's unique to you and so we try to you know, a little personal scorecard so getting people to think differently versus just fluffy cookie cutter old school ways or you know like sometimes people overly rely on just doing a lot of goal setting i'm like ah like it's like yeah, like goal setting matters, but like that often just perpetuates people into the results trap. And yeah, so, that's true. Um, so mm -hmm. it doesn't mean not to do it, but we got to be mindful mm -hmm. of how we do it. And often for a high performing elite athlete, it's not the starting point. They've already got their goals, writing down some more, ain't going to like change a whole lot. So the, um, at least in the short term. So that's, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a rant, but yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that I think are so important. I just want to point out. I like what you said about being versus doing, right? The doing mm -hmm. is the results. The being is how am I showing up today? And what are, what do, how do I want to be, right? What are my mm -hmm. thoughts, my emotions, my actions? Um, and I was thinking also how this relates to people in sales or people building their mm -hmm. business. And it's really yeah. easy. I do some coaching with financial planners and people who are in sales. And it can be really easy to get so caught up in the results, you know, like yeah. I'm not, uh, where I want to be this quarter, and then their identity gets tied to that. Yeah. Uh, and then usually, right, it, it's really hard to uh, stay excited about what you're doing. And so I'm, I'm hearing, you know, what you're saying and how it relates to not just sport, but our career as well. Oh, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. and it can be easy in a lot of um, businesses where the the scorecard is very apparent every day, like there's mm -hmm. like how many sales you make today, or what's the, you know, the investment return, and um, and so and so, be mindful of actually how much they consume that. We call it like mental junk. Like it's it matters, yeah. but if you're constantly looking at it all day long, 
just yeah. like like it's gonna create all this like noise in your head and it and it's pulling you and that's why i call it the allure it's sucking you back in to be results oriented yeah it's the goal i'm not saying for not to be a goal and attention but mm -hmm. don't make it your priority like learn to prioritize who am i being in the sales call or who am i being in that moment and who how do i want to show up in this next section of my day or throughout the day and if you can come from that place then the sales are going to come better and uh so you know so i think that's um uh, it's definitely applicable to to any area of life really like i show like hey, who am i going to be when i go around my kids especially if they're not you know they're two or four like this they're not managing their emotions but who am i how am i going to respond to that who am i going to be in that moment so it's true um, yeah. it, it's huge and and that's where mm -hmm. like i love using todd herman's alter ego yeah. uh concept you know he didn't invent the whole tree but he wrote the book so he is like yeah. i'm literally about it and, and a great book about creating a, a narrative and a state of who am i going to be in these key moments of impact and there's in different moments can pull up different traits and different um characteristics and so you know how i show up on a presentation versus a one-on-one -on -one coaching or making a strategic business decision is different than i show up when my kids are having a, you know, a challenge or versus where they're just playing and, and whatever. So um, I think it, it's a very healthy, effective and, you know, simple and powerful uh, strategy. You know, like you know, I always like to use the, the black Mamba examples, like, you know, pretty, pretty yeah. famous, maybe pretty one of famous. the most powerful. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, Todd helped him curate that, uh, that narrative. It's like that, that's mm -hmm. what it's about. It's this playfulness. You see all, you know, lots of high performers in different ways playing on, you know, their, the identity, because that's what comes down to the fundamental of who mm -hmm. you being in the moment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, especially like I was doing it with a salesperson or an investment person, you know, a couple of weeks back and they're like, oh, making these calls. I was like, well, let's create an identity around making the, because it's like this failure rate was going to be something like, I forget what it was. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, right? Like it was like, he's going to make like 200 calls maybe. in a week. I think, I think it was higher. It was like, he's going to make 200 calls in a week. And it was like, if yeah. he got like eight, we're like, yeah, let's do something. So that, that's like a 96% failure rate. I was like, <laughs> you might need a mindset to deal with that. And he was not, no like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that is like, what, like not everyone's inherently going to just naturally just embrace that. So, but you can, you have it within you. And that's, what's cool about it. It's like, let's tap into those traits. When have you dealt with and, and done with it while well. it's like, and I, what I also tried to flip it, I was like, let's like learn to like, it's like, you want to get, like, if you don't get, um, 192 no's in the, this week, it's a failure. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like you want all those no's because this is what gets that that's just what you're signing up for. And if you want to do that, don't do this career, like go find a new career. Like I, I always like telling people that, you know, respectful way i'm not trying to get them to do it but it allows them to say hey this is a choice you're choosing sure. to do this like as an mm -hmm. athlete you choose to go and perform you don't have to a lot of times we have to need to mm -hmm. should now you're not focused mm -hmm. on who you're being you're focused on what you're doing mm -hmm. oh, i have to go and do this today i need mm -hmm. to go and work like you don't have to do mm -hmm. shit like mm -hmm. like unless you're literally <laughs> being forced like you're not being forced you might feel sometimes like you don't have a choice but like it's healthy and effective to remember that you do because if you don't Think you have a choice and you're not going to choose to be mindset first you're just doing it because you have to need to should the re results oriented um mindset so um yeah no it definitely applies to like i i've i haven't intentionally tried to get too much into the business world yet it's one of the things i will be intentionally doing more in, in due time because i'm just we're just tackling the the sport world so much right now but it's just naturally people are like yeah, I had like a surgeon come. I was like, hey, I want to, I want to see if I can like, can you coach me like an athlete? I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like nah. I was like, yeah, I can. <laughs> so, and it worked and like, yeah. And so, um, and, well, and I so, think, I think the mental game is similar in sport versus yeah. surgery versus financial yeah. planning. So that makes complete sense. So the book we're talking about is Alter Ego by Todd Herman. Very good book. Mm -hmm. Yellow. It's yellow. It's all, yeah. I have yeah. it on my shelf. So you're, you're making yeah. me, um, just, uh, okay, I better pick it up and read it again. But before we kind of move on to some other ideas, I want to ask you one question, Cassidy, about being versus doing, right? Because I mm -hmm. think as people are listening, they're like, yeah, I want to be. And mm -hmm. how would you say people should learn and practice? And I've been just saying practice because it's, mm -hmm. you know, you're right. It's so easy to get you know, tied up in the results, especially when you look at ESPN and, you know, what's, what's emphasized in our culture. So how do you think people can learn to be versus do? Great question. Um, 
not not an easy answer. The mm-hmm. I'll, I'll preface first. I like I want to uh, put the the be do have trifecta mm-hmm. like in a in a, okay. in a row because okay. the main probably reason someone's gonna have a hard time doing be over do is because they're have oriented, which our society is yeah. consumeristic. I want to have more, achieve more. Um, I was doing this with a pro athlete the other day around. Uh, they're they're like I want to be happy. I was like, that's the happiness trap. I was like, I'm happy when I achieve this, or I'm happy if I have this. I'll be happy when like, that's don't try to be happy in life. Have a meaningful life that's gonna have happiness in it. But like, there's gonna be challenge in season. She can be happy all the time. Like this is one of the fluffy things that sometimes happens in sports. It's just about being positive all the time. Well, it's like it's like you know Trevor Moad yeah. did a great job talking about being centered. Yeah and neutral and helping mm-hmm. debunk that myth, which is still just super, pe- I'll, I'll like say something for like 10 minutes to an athlete, never said be positive. And they're like, what's your takeaway? I gotta be more positive. I'm like, oh no, I'm like, <laughs> you didn't get it. And I was like, it's like, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an oversimplification that can actually do sure. a lot of harm. And yeah. so, yeah. but anyways, the point saying. being, it's funny. Um, the have oriented mindset is the consumeristic like i want to have mm-hmm. more achievement i want to get to the next level i want to win again and and so forth which mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with having things and having goals but if if you start with there what are you going to do well if i want to have this then what am i going to do to have all of that well, so now i'm going to focus on what i'm doing to have it and if i want to do these things who do i have to be in order to do these mm-hmm. things to have these things so you started with results first have first and so the reality is it always flows the other way. Start with who do I want to be? How do I want to live my life? How do I want to show up in my sport? What are the things I'm going to, you know, where am I going and what are the moments and what matters to me and who would I want to be in that moment? Therefore, this is what I do if I'm being this. And that leads to these goals, intentions, potential results. And so that that's a fundamental way. Again, be mindset first is your priority are you just trying to be focused on being more so that you can achieve more because then you're still going to get sucked into overly focusing on doing and, and achieving and not truly being some practical strategies to focus on effectively showing up in the moment or effectively being more and putting time to that. Obviously I'll talk about meditation because that is the most fundamental one, but the, sometimes people are like, Oh, it can be hard to pull someone in, into that um, practice. But the ones that I would often start with, like do an alter ego exercise. It's a like focus on creating a t- contrasting narrative and identity around who do you want to be in a certain moment. Um, mm. Pulling out a pulling times in your day where you in the morning set your intention or in the evening or other moments in the day where you reflect mm. on who you're being. So sure. hey, I want to spend two minutes in the morning yeah. doing a meditation or just like, hey, like before this meeting or before my day or before we go out, who do I want to be and like Mm. build a routine. And Mm. like, and that's why like imagery is so impactful for athletes, especially if you use coping planning and, you know, you have Mm -hmm. a narrative and focus on how you want to feel while you go play, which Mm -hmm. often athletes just focus on what they want to do while they play and not feel. So, but that's the power of setting an intention about it at the often before you go and then reflect after have a little, I like the personal scorecard concept where it's like, you know, and journaling, reflecting, who was I being today? Did I like how I showed up and operated in the mindset I was in and my thoughts, feelings like, no. And then you're like, yes, I did like that. And I said, that weren't well, <laughs> you know, stack up your wins and, um, and on that, but it's like also a constant self-awareness, self-reflection there helps you better self-correct and focus on then the next day. Now you're way more likely to show up the way you intend to be because you reflect and learn from the current day. So those are different things as well as like any moments in the day, like a reset or, a, you know, like a, the Amy Cuddy posture thing. Like those are different yeah. moments, like, sure. um, you know, different tactics. And obviously the most fundamental thing is like um, the way to look at being versus doing is like, you're not doing anything inherently when you're setting your intention to be, I call it like a race car slowing down to speed up. Like, w- like let's not accomplish anything. When you mm-hmm. meditate, because that's what you do when you meditate, or when you reflect, you're not really accomplished anything. When you set your intention in the morning, when you do your alter ego, so like, okay, I did my alter ego and look at the work I got done. Yes, there is work you got done on your mindset, but like, you don't, you didn't make any more sales. You didn't, you know, go to the gym. You didn't shoot more pox or like, you didn't go like, so you're slowing down so that you can speed up. You are, and our society is consumeristic and what we over glorify being busy. I'm going to yes. do, 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 do. It's like, oh right. gosh, 
like do we not yeah, see we do. the 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 drawbacks of focus so much on have and do and we've lost sight of who we're being and mm -hmm. um the mindset and who are we think and feel and what matters to us and and why we're doing something in the first place mm -hmm. and so and we think our why is the result it's like oh that's not that's and then yeah. you get in the happiness trap and the all the mental health challenges and again i'm not a clinical mental health professional to to talk about that in that realm but just like there's there's definitely some um you know we could talk about it but but the premise is <laughs> um but just to give like a really zoomed out way of looking at it let alone even in athletes why you know they can struggle with their identity and the downs can be so down because they're so consumed again with the results so you know mental performance mental health are you know overlapping in in a sense um well cassie uh, i want to just pull out I, a few yeah. things that you said there because <laughs> yeah, i ahead. think the be do have is mm -hmm. incredible and i think you're right that most people go to the have, what are my goals? What do I want my results to be this season? Mm -hmm. But to start backwards, right? Mm -hmm. By who do you want to be? And your strategies were excellent. I was thinking about, I do a lot of keynote speaking. And mm -hmm. when I started keynote speaking, as I was listening to you, I had this a realization that I was really results oriented at the beginning. Oh, mm -hmm. are they going to like me? Are they going to like the message? And I was thinking a lot about them, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. And then what I've learned over time, well, that's 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 just like weighs you down, and then you're not in the present moment, and you're thinking of it's distracting, right? Mm -hmm. And if I can just show up as me and authentic, and that's actually how you know, how we all connect with each other. And it's like, yeah. if I'm less worried about if I said, um, or, uh, or for sure, not thinking about what people think about me, it just it goes, I, I do so much better. Right. Oh, yeah. And so I think there's so many different ways that you can apply the be do have in your life. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I've done some keynote and public speaking. I'm doing more, I'm doing a course and they talk, um, uh, you know, a really good course about, a couple of things but even again mm -hmm. it's like who am i going to be on stage like why am i on stage in the first place and like what kind of mm -hmm. and and the help that will lead to the impact but it's like yeah. it's it's very much a lot of like it's easy and that's why a lot of people are afraid of public speaking because they're so worried about what everyone thinks of them and so then they reserve and then they'll get that opportunity to share and have an impact and um and and, uh, and share your light share your message but i think what's a healthier like kind of a the way I like to, you know, trying to keep processing is like, well, you can't, no one's, not everyone's going to like you. <laughs> like sometimes that says more about them than you. Like <laughs> very yeah. much so. Like, and many times it's, it's not great. about you at all. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with you anyway. So it's like, exactly. that's a fantasy. You go back to a fantasy nightmare. Right. It's like, I want to yeah. be liked by everybody. No one is liked by everybody all the time, everywhere. Like it's not a thing. It's, there's nobody that's like that. So, but yet a lot yeah. of us seek these fantasies and, you debunk that, then it can allow you to let go of the results and just, mm -hmm. well, who do I want to go and be? And yes, this might get, these are my intended results and want the audience to be inspired and whatever, but it's, uh, that that's a definitely, there's a whole mindset piece to, to yeah. perform. So, <laughs> so, super good. Uh, well, one yeah. of the questions I wanted to ask you, Cassidy, is you have like a, what you call a CEP three-step system to figuring out the mental game. So tell us a bit about that system and let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So it was just a, um, it's a very pragmatic way of, okay, well, what can you expect if you want to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching and you really want to work on your mental game mindset? Well, step one is to like make it more tangible, break it down. Like, and, and we used to use this uh, brick house, straw house um, mentality as well. It's like, you wouldn't build your house without a blueprint. <laughs> it's like, Hey, let's go work on your mental game, but we really don't know what we need to prioritize or where some struggling areas are, what we got to work on. So, yeah. um, so that step one is like, hey, let's just get some common language. Some, you know, creates a bit of a blueprint now that now we know what strategies to go build based on what needs the most attention and focus, the priorities, uh, and what you're already doing well, and we can reinforce. So, and that includes both a mental skills part, like uh, some seven different skills and blocks for each. So, the, which I call like limiting beliefs. So, there, I we use like trick questions, I like to call them sometimes. Um, okay that uh it's like you know, the the main reason i play sport is to win it's like 10 mm -hmm. i agree it's like that's oh, a trick question it shouldn't be the main reason but it's i don't expect it to be a one <laughs> okay so like <laughs> and so it was like a gut yeah. response it's getting at the subconscious yeah no yeah 
like the main reason mm-hmm. why sports is to win. It's like, oh, if you're a 10 there, then you've got a results, you know, right. you're in the results trap. You have a results oriented thing. It's going to be hard for you to be immersed in the process and all, and then all the skills and blocks are interrelated, but it helps us identify and pinpoint things. And so we can clear stuff and make priorities a lot quicker. So that's step one. Step two is then to uh, personalize the tools and the concepts. So this is now the, we go to the brick house, let's put some bricks and some mortar together. So the mortar to me is the concepts. That's acceptance, um, commitment, and mm-hmm. you know, owning your capabilities is often mm-hmm. a commitment. It's the one-two punch. And then being centered and grounded or neutral thinking, as mm-hmm. well as then uh, enjoyment. Enjoying for the sake of itself and enjoying and, and keeping a loose, fun, um, you know, intrinsic why. So if you understand and personalize those concepts, well, a lot of them are common sense, but not common practice. And that's where the strategies are the bricks that then pull it all together versus just a bunch of mortar <laughs> falling around all the place with bricks without mortar don't work either. So, um, and we want very practical strategies. We have four fundamental ones that we always do. Um, that's what we've, I've hit on them already, like the alter ego, the reset, the personal scorecard and imagery, mental prep pieces. Like those are the fundamental, like game day oriented, you know, and practice oriented, but like daily strategies. There's lots of other things we do and that help, you know, continue to build that brick house that's personalized for an athlete. Um, but those are the, the fundamental ones. And so that's, so now we've got things rolling. And again, all of this is built on the foundation of mindset first. And so that's sure. built in as one of the concepts and one of the, like, you know, those that's tied into the strategies, but because if not, then we're building a brick house, <laughs> not a good foundation. And then, and the fun contrast as well, you think like brick house, why we went with that analogy is because a lot of times people's mental game advice that they get from people that aren't professionals is like, don't worry about it. <laughs> just be confident. Like, uh, don't right. think of that. Like, that's, um, or let's just do goal setting. And um, that's cookie cutter, fluffy stuff. That's building a house out of straw. And what happens when the big bad wolf, which is pressure and adversity comes along, it's not sustainable. And so you can't avoid pressure and adversity and doing anything with um, as a high performer. So we want to be prepared for it. So that's what we now got this brick house. But then stage three is actually to sustain it. Because just because you built it and you started going, like you got to constantly tweak and refine. This is not a one and done thing. Just like nothing in life is. There's constant upkeep and upgrades. Your alter ego could change over time. Your reset routine. There's new adversities, new things to be willing to accept. You know, the evolutions in life and as you as we grow. And like even think of like, you know, the professional athletes, you know, I'm sure you've worked with in the hype for sometimes we're not even talking about sport. <laughs> it's like dealing with the personal stuff and the life stuff. I'm managing that because it's affecting, it's coming into the, their mental game and their sport. And so um, it's, there's a, there's, there's a never ending process to it. Now it doesn't mean you have to do one-on coaching forever, although it's not a bad idea, but the, so, and everyone can always benefit from having an outsider and a coach and a mentor to lean on, but maybe you don't do it as frequently or whatever, but um, that it's don't just start it. And the thing we always don't want to do too much of is like, Hey, do a couple months, help somebody out. They're going, they're mental. It's like, Hey, good luck. See you later. And like three, four months later, they didn't keep doing the work. And then they stopped getting the results because they stopped putting their mindset first, stop, you know, using the reset routine, the strategies, reflection, et cetera. And that goes back to old habits. So that's, uh, that's the system. So it, it gives us that's a great. framework, mm-hmm. how people mm-hmm. understand, Oh, what am I signing up for? It's like, cause that's often the hard, like, Oh yeah, I want to go do sports psych, you know, mental performance. What are we doing? It's like, and what okay, does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? How is it going to roll out? And now yeah. you know, every athlete rolls out pretty different and every high performer, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. maybe we focus on a different concept first or a different strategy. And that's where, again, the blueprint helps us personalize it and streamline it quickly. And, and there's all kinds of other tools that we don't always use. Um, but uh, pretty much everyone will do, or at least touch on those four fundamental uh, strategies as well as then coloring in the concepts uh, as needed. Yeah, that's awesome. I was, um, well, my last month or so, I went through Brene Brown's Dare to Lead training, yeah. which is yeah. incredible. And yeah. in one of, um, I heard her say in one of the videos I was watching, something like that, she's never met a transformational leader yeah. um, that has not gone through coaching or therapy. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, right? Yeah. As we kind of think about the power of these things that we're talking about is that yeah. we all need the, the space to be able to 
train our mind and to think about these concepts and apply them and get unstuck. Um, there's so many different things I could ask you about your system, Cassidy, but I'm, since you mentioned um, I kept, or Trevor Moab's book about neutral thinking, yeah. and yeah. say a little bit more about that, because I could imagine that people who are listening aren't not quite sure what that actually means. Yeah, so it's really helping debunk um, positive thinking as not the solution, because a lot mm -hmm. of people... Oh no, negative thinking ain't gonna be very helpful. Oh, I suck. You're beating yourself up. I can't do it. Like that's and you know, and, and he does a good job. I think I don't remember all the lines, but it's like really highlighting, like you say that stuff out loud, like the more you mm -hmm. perpetuate, like it's the compound negative effect of it is very we want to minimize that. So, but then the natural inclination for our societies, but well, if I don't want to be negative, that means I should be positive. Exactly. No, that is yeah. not that the, the like because if you try to do that. And that's most people are just oscillating between positive and negative town. And it's like, and they're yo-yo and they're elated and deflated. And it's, that's not the model. That is a judgmental, uh, polarized, emotionally charged model that is not sustainable. And nor is it true anyways, because no one event is overly negative and no one event is just all positive. There's just benefits and drawbacks. And the, so the premise, he really kind of, you know, popularized this idea of neutral thinking. Well, we're not positive because that's not sustainable. We're not negative. Let's go to neutral. I like to use the word centered and about moving forward. And so it's about if we're not going from left to right, you know, if people can't see me going from negative on one side to positive on the other. It's like, let's go in a completely different direction. Let's go up. Let's go forward, which is about there's going to be benefits and drawbacks. There's going to be, you know, failures and successes and adversity and, and wins along the way but I can learn and grow and I can stay balanced and see things for what they are and move forward. And so it takes out the judgmental emotional yeah. language and yeah. narrative that yeah. then holds so many people back. And so that's what, so to, and the wheel that we created in a mindset, like that's the foundational, like kind of a base thing where uh, there's a growth mindset, being a leader, being able to deal with stuff and learn and move forward. Like that's being centered, that's being grounded. Um, and and rooted in the reality of a situation versus fantasies and nightmares and positive yeah. and negative. So that's, uh, yeah, awesome. it's and written a couple books about it. So it's done some good stuff. Yeah. So people want to read more about that Trevor Moab's book about neutral thinking, just to reiterate that. Um, okay. So one other big question before we wrap up, Cassie, I think we could, we could spend uh, several hours here talking, um, but I know your assessment measures the seven mental skills and you had mentioned those as you were talking about your system. Let's pick one and let's dive into one that you think maybe is the most helpful or powerful. Yeah. While they're, um, they're, so the four on the bottom are the ones we work on the most or most commonly because it's the foundation. And those are focusing on the process, being immersed in that on one side and confidence and owning your capabilities on the other. And the middle is like composure and resilience. They're all interrelated. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, we were saying mm -hmm. this the other day, yeah. there's no one that's super resilient, but then struggles a lot with confidence. <laughs> like it's like, or someone that's yeah. really confident, but then mm -hmm. has struggles with resilience. Like if you're struggling right. with resilience, your confidence is going to come down. But what, um, in terms of picking one, it's like, so whatever one we focus on, it's generally we want to focus on the one that's the lowest because it's going to help all the others around it as well. Yeah. So the most Maybe let's pick, yeah, let's yeah. pick confidence. I think that's yeah. really, and I honestly, the, and I say, let's pick that one because the people yeah. I coach, they're, they're really, really great, incredible high performers, but they can all lack yeah. confidence and I think oh, yeah. we have to protect it. So let's dive oh, into that one if you're cool with that. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's the most common okay. one that's low. Yeah. Um, that yeah. and probably focus, but it, and again, it depends on the person and it depends on your interpretation of the questions. <laughs> so, um, sure. the way that I like to break down, you know, confidence and then the mental block that goes with it, the yo-yo confidence is, um, I'll give you a solution to cure it forever. Like you want to never have a confidence problem again. The solution is to stop using the word, to minimize using the word, be mindful of the word itself, because the word okay. in our society is so mm. tainted with external validation and mm. results and praise. Mm. So, because as mm. soon as an athlete or a person identifies, you know, I have a confidence problem, I'm struggling, you know, with my confidence right now, the solution is not very easy now. <laughs> like, it's like, well, what, like, show me you have a confidence problem. You, you can't, you can't point to it. You can't like, says who? says who has a confidence well what is it like it's yeah. not easy for um mm -hmm. people to then work on and prioritize and then for a lot of athletes it becomes a self-perpetuating thing 
I am somebody now they identify and have a narrative that they struggle with confidence, which that yeah. in of itself is hard to debunk. So I'll often go to athletes like, who says you had a confidence problem? And I was like, maybe you don't. I was like, they're like, oh, maybe I don't have a confidence problem. I'm like, oh, I like that idea. I was like, yeah. And that's like, so what is true confidence really about is about owning your capabilities. You believe yeah. in what you're capable. And so, well, then let's take out the belief part and yeah. just go straight to the, well, let's, are you owning your capabilities? Did you own mm. your capabilities today and in a moment? And now, mm. and if you position, it's like, well, I'm having a problem or a challenge owning my capabilities. The solution seems a lot easier now. Like it's, it's a lot more, oh, well then the result, like, what am I going to do about it? Well, I got to focus and go back. What am I actually capable of based on the work I put in? And now it's not always as easy as that. There can be like, you know, lingering things and constantly being too hard on ourselves and learning to own, like actually learning to own your greatness and own your capabilities as a whole thing, debunking the narrative. Cause maybe it's like, oh yeah, that's great. But they're really holding on that narrative. Yeah. But I'm just somebody that's always hard on myself and uh, I can't own it. Or I, I have imposter syndrome or those kind of things. Or I, or I really struggle to, uh, I just really believe I have a confidence issue. So it's not inherently that simple, but that shift for me, I think is fundamental. And we like to teach and help athletes, like let's own your capabilities and focus on doing that mm -hmm. as a trade and, and, mm -hmm. and so you can trust your training and own it versus mm -hmm. not. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that shift can like, you know, in a way <laughs> you're not having a confidence problem anymore because, because <laughs> you're the only problem you have is own capability problem. But so that's one of the, the first fundamental ways. And, um, and we'll even do it with an athlete with like put into like an EA games rating. And okay. so um, let's just say they're a pretty good player in their league. They're like a 95 rating. Well, just because you have 95 rating doesn't mean your performance will be 95 day in, day out. But um, we can now show up every day owning that you're a 95. There's no reason not to. And what I like to do with that rating as well is like I take mindset out of it. There's no like, um, well, but my mindset's a no, 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 let's. It's not radar mindset, like comparing one person's mindset to another is like, what the heck does that even mean? Like, it's all relative. And, but skill is a lot more tangible, easy to relate. Like, are you faster than this person? Well, then you are faster. Like if, you know, can you shoot better? Can you do this? Like execute? Do you understand the system? Like, um, let's rate your capability and do it based on capability, not performance. A lot of times mm -hmm. athletes, so it's like, oh yeah, this guy's a 95 because mm -hmm. he's got this result. I'm not yeah. 95. So I don't have, that's now an excuse. I, was, I don't want, I want, don't want you to rate yourself based on performance. I want you to rate yourself on capability. If you and that person competed in practice and you're both free and in the moment and you did a hundred scoring drills, you did a hundred rate, like, how would you rank? How would you like, well, I'm right there with, then that's what you're capable. And I always like to then people like, well, then try that on. They're like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. Well, imposter syndrome coming in, they're still tying it to results. I'm like, but does it seem wrong? They're like, no, but I'm uncomfortable. Like, we'll just try it on for a week. Walk around, own your capabilities. It's like, oh shit, this is like, so, <laughs> it's like, oh, this doesn't feel that bad. And that's like, and then after, then you finally get comfortable with it because you're just not used to wearing and owning your capabilities. And yeah. so, it doesn't mean it's wrong. So I try to treat it more as like a factual thing than this overly belief thing. Now, hmm. there's there's still other things to be done with that and learning to own and understand and self belief and and self worth and self image and other components out of it. But to me, that's the main most common issue with confidence has to do with the belief that it's about results and praise and external validation and understanding that's actually about believing and owning your capabilities and what you're capable of. So that's a bit long-winded, but to me, um, it, so it's good. a fun, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I read it. What I really appreciate is how you define confidence is just like owning your capabilities. And I think every mm -hmm. single person can do that. And it is really interesting how people generalize, you know, like I have a confidence problem or I have an imposter syndrome, you mm -hmm. know, and there's this great, um, Oh, uh, I'd have to, uh, it was the CEO of LinkedIn just gave an amazing talk to, uh, like a, uh, graduation speech about how yeah. stop telling women they have an imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. you, you should Google it. It's amazing. Yeah. But it's all about like how, you know, we kind of label this on ourselves. Like I have a confidence yeah. problem where I have yeah. imposter syndrome, which, yeah. you know, maybe instead you just doubt yourself like everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a bad you know? thing. Like doubt can be very healthy in a way. Yeah. Like it's, um, people think, oh, I need to have no doubt. That's one of our trick questions. It's like, says who? Like, 
like right. having doubt is a healthy thing. Like, it's like, oh, I yeah. doubt if I can jump that bridge. Yeah, that's keeping you alive because you can't doubt. Right. You can't jump that yeah. bridge. Like, it's, yeah. um, you can't trick your mm. brain. It's like I had an athlete yeah. once. They thought confidence meant they had to believe they're the best player in the league. And that worked mm. for them when they're in division two Italian league. And then they went to the top tier and they're like, Hey, well, I got to right. tell myself I'm the best. He wasn't the best anymore. He was not the most talented, best player. It was creating all kinds of inner turmoil. It's like, and he's yo-yoing back and forth between oh, I'm, I'm the best. No, I'm not the best. You can't trick yourself. Like if you're not that, if you're not Ronaldo, if you're not, you know, McKinnon, you're not, you know, McDavid, like you can't walk around saying you are like, it's, now downplaying yourself that's a problem which what most athletes do i'm not telling you to upplay yourself and become arrogant it's but sure. own your greatness and what yeah. you're capable of as uh, for what mm -hmm. it is and and i love the mm -hmm. todd's take i think it's pretty similar imposter syndrome and i might mm -hmm. not get it exactly but he wrote a, some good articles around it debunking it's actually the um, imposter um phenomena is actually was the fundamental yeah, exactly thing. it wasn't it like was a not syndrome a, not inherently a syndrome it's yeah like mm -hmm. um the only people that really struggle mm -hmm. with you know being an imposter are people that are being something that they're not like it's like i'm going around and impostering that like you know i'm a, a magician but like i'm not <laughs> i'm an imposter <laughs> like but if i go around I'm like oh am i that good of a, a mental performance coach it's like well i'm i'm as good as what i'm capable of based on all the work i put in the practice and reflection and and the the reps and everything i've done like I'm, I'm, I might doubt my capabilities at time because I'm human, but am mm -hmm. I impossible? Am I being fake? Am I not being, it's like mm -hmm. you're being who you're being. And, um, and so we don't have to label it as, as being an imposter mm -hmm. and, and debunking it. And that's often tied to worrying too much about what other people think instead of my yeah. opinion matters most, who do I yeah. think I'm a good mental performance coach? Yeah. yeah. So then I don't need the external validation of a client or so-and-so or whoever, I know who I am and what I'm capable. I'm not trying to be arrogant. Like you don't want a person to go out there like, Hey, go tell everyone you're the best. And this, and like, that's not what, that's not confidence. Now we're not talking about confidence capability. You're talking about how you interact with others and you can walk through a room with no one there owning your capabilities. And you can walk through a room, the exact same way with a bunch of people there. Some people will be like, yeah, the person's confident. And usually you can kind of see that and they're owning their capabilities. Some people won't be like, oh, I don't know. And then some people are like, Oh, he's arrogant. that's their perception of you. And you can't control mm -hmm. that. If you're trying to make everyone think you're confident, now you might come across as arrogant. Or if you just think you're better than everybody, <laughs> then you might come across as arrogant. But the there's definitely some misunderstandings there. And mm. um, uh, yeah, I think there was one other thing Todd said around imposter syndrome. Um, but oh, it's like even just the word like authentic and um, which is a unique word because you know, obviously it's like, Hey, we want to be true to ourselves, but like, who are we? <laughs> it's like a really good <laughs> fundamental question. Um, and yeah. we're awareness and choice and the author yeah. and narrator of our own lives, which I can yeah. dive. I, I like that narrative, but mm. the, but the other way to think of it is like, um, uh, like a handbag is it's like an authentic handbag or it's like an authentic piece of clothes. Like a, a baseball mm -hmm. card is authentic. Right. Like, okay. Okay. cause it is a tangible thing, but like, um, so, but then it's like, well, this is an imposter card because it's like, it's fake. It's not the real one. It's an imposter. It's not being authentic. And it's, it's like, so that has to do with like handbags and baseball cards and stuff as people. It's like, you're just, you get to choose and create how you show up and live your life. And, um, you know, which is in some ways authentic to you, but then we're like, oh, well, am I being my real myself? Am I, I like, you get to say who you are. Like now don't, again say you're something and be a true imposter <laughs> like say yourself you're something you're like oh i'm gonna go deliver a great keynote but i've never rehearsed in practice and don't have sure. <laughs> you are being an imposter i'm gonna go speak about neuroscience i know nothing about it like you know, right yeah that's I'm not what you want to do surgeon and never oh i can do it i'm gonna i'm i say i'm a heart surgeon therefore i'm a heart but you've never gone to this like you are being an imposter but um but mm. the imposter syndrome or authenticity or and credibility mm. of yourself is um we create these narratives that are actually you know not not serving so 
Um, yeah, so good. I think what you did, what you said right at the beginning of that answer is just like doubt is a healthy thing. And sometimes mm-hmm. even the elite athletes I work with, like there was one I was just talking with yesterday and she was like, I just want the doubt to go away. And I was like, well, it's not good. You're human. So you yeah. know, it's not going to yeah. completely go away. And it's like, there's, yeah. you know, the U S championships was yesterday for track and field. Like, yeah. of course you might have some doubt and that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. but we like judge ourselves because we're doubting ourselves. And then I think yeah. we just, you know, focus becomes more, it just grows because we're focusing on it more. Um, So Cassidy, where, tell us where people can find out more about your work and your practice. Yeah. I want to say one thing to that and then I will, because I think it's too, I I love talking about the word acceptance and I didn't get to talk about it much. Mm, And it ties exactly like accepting the doubt, accepting the range Mm. of results. Like I yeah. had a, a national level swimmer here and it was like, mm-hmm. she was like, oh my God, I don't like, cause it was a race she hadn't done a while. What's the range mm-hmm. of results? A golf mm-hmm. was the range of results. Like, as like, I doubt my, accept the range, accept the range yeah. within a tournament, accept the range within a meet, except like if you can't, and, and a lot of times our mm-hmm. society phrases the word acceptance or misconstrues or misunderstands it to be a weakness. It's like, oh, we can't accept things. That's for, that's for mm-hmm. if you don't care and you're ambivalent. Right, which sometimes misconstrue centeredness around or, or neutral thinking. Uh, that's for hippies or whatever. Like, like it's like no, that's not what acceptance with commitment is a powerful mm-hmm. one-two punch. You want to commit to your race plan. Mm-hmm. You want to commit yeah. to how you want to show up. Then accept and let go of the range of results. And so you want to commit. You want to be a great public speaker. Except some people might not like you. Now you can commit to who you want to be. Mm-hmm. And but if you don't accept that some people might not like what you have to say, then you might not fully commit. And the range is like, maybe someone's not ready to hear what you have to say or whatever. And Hey, you're human. Like maybe, maybe you like, you know, your message isn't for everyone or whatever, but I think that the concept of the acceptance, one commitment, one, two punch and, and seeing, I like the frame is like, it's, it's a superpower being able to fully accept and to accept your doubt. And, um, um, yeah, it's a healthy thing versus like, Oh no, we need to remove it. And it's like, when you accept it, you let it go. And now it's not mm-hmm. weighing on you. And, but it's, it's not like, oh, well, I have no doubts. Sometimes people overpopulate that. I want to have no doubts going. I want to know for certain we're going to win. What the like? Like, I get it. You can be fully committed and really believe in yourself. So I'm always like, but sometimes we've overpopulized that and like media or like, oh yeah, this person's just so confident they were going to win. How many people have done that and then lost? Like it's tons. Like we don't talk about those people. <laughs> like, it's like how many times has someone predicted they were going to win and then lost? Like all the time. It doesn't. That's not what we're trying to do from a mindset standpoint. And then it creates this narrative that I can't accept. Um, how many coaches and parents like, you know, we can't tolerate that. It's unacceptable. It's like, no, we're not saying we should tolerate failure or losing or whatever. And like, it's just like, hey, everything's okay. It doesn't matter. It's just accepting it for the reality of what it is. I'll give one final example because I, I always think it's quite powerful. The surgeon, I was I one of the surgeons mm-hmm. I was working with okay. and great surgeon. And it was like, he was getting like, he's nothing wrong with his ability to do surgery, but he wanted to kind of keep growing. He was like, yeah, I'm kind of worried during the thing. I'm like, oh, I got to teach this guy about acceptance. I'm like, mm. this is a little bit different than teaching an athlete about <laughs> accepting the results. It's true. And so I was like, okay, well, for you, like, again, I don't want you to be indifferent to your patients living or dying. Like, I don't, I don't want you to be indifferent. You can care, you can care, but if you're not willing to accept the range, then like, you're not like, don't be a surgeon. Like this is the burden of being a surgeon and like that, like things might not always work out. He's like, Oh, no one ever said it to me that way before heart rate Mm. dropped during surgeries as the mind was even more at ease to be able to be more adaptable, like, um, so it's like the acceptance Mm. to me is superpower. It allows you to commit to your process and how you want to show up in a moment. Um, and and applying that without or, or any other little noise. So Anyway, sorry. I wanted so to say good. that. I'll answer that, that your actual question. But okay, I wrote perfect. down I was like, oh, I haven't got to say acceptance yet. That's one of my think differently because I think some people don't like they don't under really understand the power of acceptance. So hmm. yeah. well, thank you for, so much for sharing that with us. So before I wrap up and summarize today, I'll yeah. do my best to do that. Tell us mm-hmm. where people can find more about your coaching and your business and just you know, where can we follow you, Cassidy? Yeah. So cepmindset.com is our website. We've got some Instagram. I'm on Twitter, not somewhat active at Cassidy Preston. So um, those are uh, the main things. But yeah, if you come on our our website, you can learn about our offers, coaching, workshops, keynote stuff. 
uh, as well as hopefully the, the book will be on there. You'll, the, that will start to get announced. We have a newsletter, weekly newsletter, send out some different tips and that kind of stuff. So you can subscribe to that if they want. And, and obviously would love to hear, reach out at my emails, Cassidy at cpmindset.com. Love to hear what people took out of the episode, what their takeaways. So definitely contact me, email uh, on social media, whatever. Love to love to hear what people got. Awesome. So cepmindset.com and Cassidy at cepmindset.com. And I think there was so much value in this episode, Cassidy, because we talked about so many great things. This idea of like thinking about who you want to be over, you know, first before what you want to do. And we were talking about how people can prioritize results. So we are discussing be, do, and have, and starting with the be. Uh, we we talked about alter ego, which I really like that and just different ways to connect with the be. Um, you gave some great strategies there. And we were talking about confidence is like owning your capabilities and just at the end of confidence and acceptance um, and accepting doubt, for example, that it is a healthy thing. So Cassidy, way to bring it here today on the high performance yeah. mindset. <laughs> I'm grateful that, that you're on and uh, look forward to hearing um, you reach out to both of us about the episode. My email is Sindra at SindraCampoff.com. So thanks again for being here, Cassidy. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Way to go for finishing another episode of the High Performance Mindset. I'm giving you a virtual fist pump. Holy cow, did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, remember to subscribe and you can head over to Dr. Syndra for show notes and to join my exclusive community for high performers where you get access to videos about mindset each week. So again, you can head over to Dr. Syndra. That's D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A dot com. See you next week.